When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I am Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman. It is August. It is almost college football season. Bruce, we've wrapped up the media day circuit. And then you had a offsite, I believe, the last couple of days with Fox. Anything you want to report from that? Uh, no, it was good to see a lot of people. I guess I, I can report now that um, I expect to be on the road this fall, all season, with uh, the big noon kickoff show that um, I had been working on previously, but uh, it'll be good to be out on the road. So I'm excited. We got a really good schedule. Um, we can talk more about that down the yeah, road. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see some amazing games. You know, you'll... I think you told me the first one's Texas, Alabama. Yeah, it should be an awesome environment. Obviously, Sark against his old boss, uh, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, Will Anderson. Excited to see what Texas's offense looks like. Um, should be a fun atmosphere. It's just, you know, I think when you said, you know, turning the page, I think it's really exciting. Now we can talk. We can talk a lot more about games you know we've talked a lot about nil in the offseason we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. conference realignment over the uh, summer but now it's like here's what people really care about the most it's the actual football and it was fun. well actually our data suggests that people care the most about realignment i just don't have anything left to say about it so and i don't think there's going to be anything any movement anytime soon so let's talk 2022 season um well, you, wait, wait, let me ask you quick. Do you really, yeah. like, I mean, we're talking about a short slice of something, not a whole, you know, I, I don't think at the end of the day, people would sit and rather watch, you know, four people, no matter how informed they are, talk about realignment as opposed to watch a football game between two. Well, I'm, no, I'm not saying they would watch like a TV show about realignment. I'm saying nothing from a readership standpoint, nothing, and I mean nothing, draws more eyeballs than realignment coverage, even when there's no realignment going on. It is a gift from the content gods. Um, But this is a different format. So here's what we decided to do. Um, Training camp opening this week. There's actually, you know, the Northwestern Nebraska game is later this month, if you can believe it. Are you going to Ireland to watch your alma mater play? I'm not not going to Ireland. I'm sure somebody is. Have you ever been to Um, Ireland, by the way? No, have you been to Ireland? It's one of the few countries I've actually been to. It's really, it's a gorgeous place. It is a fun place. I would like to be in I didn't realize you'd ever actually left the country. Barely. Um, My old friend Terry, who you remember, who at one point I basically found out I was the best man when I got to the church. Um, And so, yeah, it was was actually the same weekend when USC had their hands full with Sam Keller and Arizona State. I think it was like a late September game. Obviously, I didn't see any of it. Um, I was at that game. Yeah, so um, it was a uh, you know it was a brief trip over there, but so so not only did he schedule a fall wedding, he scheduled a fall wedding abroad. Yeah, uh, look, he's a hockey. Well, guy. I'm glad you the, went. Uh, I'm glad you got to see another country. I've not been to Ireland. I'd like to one day, but you know that's like that's a considerable expense to watch two teams that finished three and nine last year. So what we're going to do is we have pulled up the preseason media poll for each conference, each Power 5 conference, and we're going to say, hey, what do we agree with here? What do we disagree with here? As a means to look, uh, start with the season. So which conference do you want to start with? Let's go alphabetically and start with the ACC. Um, I will, just since people aren't looking at this, and we are, the preseason overall champ, not surprisingly, is Clemson. The teams with the next most votes 
for first place votes, NC State, Miami, Wake Forest, and then tied Pitt and Virginia. Um, any- Miami is picked to win the Coastal Division by a decent margin over Pitt, who won the conference last season. Uh, UNC picked third in that division. Then I'll just I'll just go through the whole thing. Virginia, Virginia Tech, who I believe this is the lowest they've ever been picked, fifth. Georgia Tech, Duke. The other division is Clemson, followed by NC State, followed by Wake, Louisville, Florida State picked fifth, BC sixth, Syracuse seventh. Um, is Clemson your preseason pick to win the ACC? They are. Uh, great defensive line, still a lot of talent there. I think DJ will be more settled in if he's not. You know, I've been impressed. What, I think Cade Klubnick is a name to remember, the quarterback from Texas. I think they have good options. And I think they're just loaded talent-wise on defense. The one that surprised me a little bit, look, and I, I don't, you know, I, I think, and I've said this on here a, a bunch of times, I think NC State is a legit top 10 team this year. We know Wake Forest has everybody pretty much back, including a, a receiver they didn't have last year who will help them from a really good team. Louisville, to me, I think... Is, is a little bit of a sleeper. I mean, they had a really good season last year, you know, kind of coming out a little bit, especially their quarterback is a dynamic dual threat guy. Um, I, you know, I think if you put any one of those four teams in the other division, uh, I think they would probably have a strong, you know, to me, Miami has a really good quarterback. And then I don't know if they have any difference makers there. I think Mario Cristobal will get it going, but I don't think he has that kind of, talent right now to be a hey they're going to run away with the division but you know do you see it otherwise so i'm a little confused you just said louisville had a great season last year well i thought they came up i thought you know malik cunningham they went six was and really seven good. they went six and seven right, great is not the right word i think they he... lost to kentucky 52 to 21 and then they lost the bowl game to air force so i would say it was Mediocre they had a losing season. record the year that. before, so I guess it was a little bit of an improvement. It was. But I would not say it was a great season. Now, the interesting subplot is that Scott Satterfield is putting together a heck of a recruiting class. Uh, we think they are one of the beneficiaries of NIL right now, but those guys aren't going to be playing this season. Malik Cunningham, I do think, is a really good quarterback. Unfortunately, um, one of their best receivers transferred to Alabama. I don't know. I'm having a little trouble getting behind that one. Um, okay. I will. I will take back the great, and I will say Malik Cunningham had a, had a terrific season. The team I think will be better is Florida State, and I know that they haven't done much of anything uh, since Jimbo left. But I am still a Mike Norvell believer, and I think that he started from the bottom and is working his way up. And they've actually had moments over the last couple of years. I believe they beat UNC and Sam Howell each of the last two years. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong about that. Took Notre Dame to overtime, first game of the season last year, if you recall. Um, You know, we're we're much more competitive last year. There have been, in the Willie Taggart era, they had some really embarrassing losses. Last year, you're talking, I'm looking here, I think every loss was by one score, except Clemson was, no, I'm wrong. Clemson thirty to twenty, NC State twenty eight forty. Let me ask you. Let me give you a quick, quick uh, scenario. Tune up game against Duquesne in late August. That'll be easy. Then they go to LSU, right? Now this is not a loaded LSU team. Brian Kelly's trying to get it back going, but still LSU on the road. Um, and then they got Louisville. I think it's a they have a bye week in between, but they're both games are on the road. You know, both have have certainly talent at quarterback to give them some problems. I mean, the, is it is it wrong to think that that um, you know if they drop both of those games, are they is that a uh, you got to win at least one of those two? Yeah, well, look, if they beat LSU, Mike Norvell is going to be a lot more popular in Tallahassee. I don't think they'll beat LSU, but the at Louisville game, as you just pointed out, is after a, is coming off a bye week. Um, that's the swing game to me because we just talked about like one of those two teams, whoever wins that game is kind of setting themselves up to have a possible run in that division. In fact, they follow that up with home games against BC and Wake. So, um, I mean, the schedule, honestly, like I'm glad we're talking about this a little bit. If you look at what they have, 
to mid-October, it's not an easy, like Duquesne, yeah, bad game. But after that, at LSU, at Louisville, BC, who I think, you know, they have a good quarterback, good receiver. I think they'll be good. Then Wake Forest, at NC State, and Clemson. I mean, it is not a stretch to think that they come through those first, you know, basically it's the first six games against FBS opponents. They may be lucky to be, you know, with a with a cupcake just out of the gate. They may be lucky to be to be better than three and four. You know what? This is, little exercise is already making me think or realize the ACC Atlantic Division is going to be competitive, very competitive. Uh, I don't think I'm inclined to pick Clemson, but I don't think they're going to. Nec- I don't think it's going to be playoff caliber Clemson. Um, it might be a year where where six and two wins that division. And I actually think, I do think NC State has a top 10 caliber team. I just can't pull the trigger because of decades of history that suggests NC State is not going to come through and win the big one. Now, Wake. Can, before you jump on Wake, can you give me a prediction? What is, what is the Seminoles' record after they play Clemson? Okay. So it's Duquesne, I'll go to this again, Duquesne at LSU. And we got a coach who we both like and think he's a really good coach, but we know there's some pressure there. At Duquesne, that's a win. Then at LSU, you said that's a loss? Mm-hmm. One and one. At Louisville? I'll give them that one. Two and, and give one. Them the BC Three one. and I'll one. I'll actually give them the weight. Ooh, one. okay. So, so, but then I, then I don't love at NC State and Clemson. Okay, so you have them at four and three. Yeah. I will say there will be three and four at that point. So at that point, they're four and three. They'll beat Georgia Tech, I would think. And then you've got at Miami Miami game. I think FSU could go, um, let's say, seven and five, eight and four, which would be actually be their best season in several years. And and so then you get into okay, well, does that mean Mike Norvell gets another year, or does the Dion noise become? You know, too much. I don't know. I, I would, I would, if, as long as he doesn't have a disastrous season, I would strongly advise they don't. What is disastrous season? Change. Just get to a bowl Three game. Nine. So if they're if they're four and eight, you think he's getting another season? No, but so we'll say I'll reset it to four and eight. I just they've had so much turmoil, turmoil there since 2017. Going through another coaching change, yeah, I know. sets them back even further. Interesting. But I believe we were asked on the podcast or came up on the podcast earlier this offseason, and I believe we both predicted Dion would be the coach next year. Yeah, I, I mean, think that look, was right after the Travis Hunter. I think they've done a day. decent job um, restocking the offensive line, which has been a huge issue dating back to, to towards the end of Jimbo's run, and that has been a big concern. Um, I think they're a really interesting team at this point. You know, and look, if they're four and three at that point, which is not a, which is not like a, you know, pie in the sky kind of thing, you know, then I think it comes back to, do they win at Miami? If Miami puts it on them, does, you know, how much pressure is there? I just wonder how much patience folks will have more because of the Dion factor. And again, maybe a lot of people are going, you know what, you guys are crazy. Dion's done a nice job at, at Jackson State, but you know, the same people who didn't want to hire him before, is that going to change? I don't know. Um, I think he's earned more legitimacy as a coach, and we'll see what he does this year. But I, I don't think, you know, I think, and look, I was one of them who thought this is absolutely crazy that he's going to be a head coach of a college football team. But it's hard to argue with the results so, so far. No, it's a, it, it, it is indeed. And any, all the NFL people who have been like, you guys are missing the boat on Dion all, Dion all along, so far, they've certainly been proven right. Uh, anything else on the ACC, or do you want to move on to the Big Ten? Wake is the team, and I hate to say this, we love Dave Clawson, is the team I see taking a step back. Why? Even they've got some star power. Why? Because I think the pendulum swings back a little. They won 11 games last year with no defense. And so they were winning games, let's see here, Louisville 37-34, Syracuse 40-37 to in overtime. Kind of the game that, that I think... You know, personified their season seventy to fifty six at Army. They lost to UNC fifty eight fifty five, and then turned around and beat NC State forty five forty two. It's not a sustainable formula. You're not going to win all of these three point, you know, or huge shootout three point victories. So I think the pendulum swings back a little bit. 
they could be a good team, but a team that instead of going, uh, let's see, at the end of the regular season they were ten and two, um, is more like eight and four. Hmm. All right, I'm looking at it. I think VMI win at Vandy win Liberty win. It's right there. It's three and zero before Clemson. I, I think Clemson's in there at home. You know they get a visit from Clemson, but I'll say they don't win that. Then they have at FSU an Army. I think they have a really good chance to get out of the gate five and one. Um, I as experienced they are, they have a really good quarterback. They have terrific receivers. Um, they do. They I, have terrific. They're going to have a terrific offense again with the slow mesh and with Sam Hartman. I just don't know if they can stop anybody. I, By the way, can I just can I just hmm? pause for a real second? I know you love playing the schedule game, right? Yep. You love going through and picking each game. I feel like the schedule game is is good for maybe the first three or four games. You have no idea by October. Like you they're don't. playing Boston College on October 22nd. Who knows how good or bad BC will be by then? Also, teams, you know, this is the where the fun is. Have one or this two is where the fun results. is. Yeah, no, it's it's fun don't, to go through it, but like, can I not have curmudgeon don't, stew don't, in August? You know, like when I do, I'll do my you know predicted records here in a few weeks, and. And you know what? I, I I throw in a couple upsets here and there, and then people go, "How could you possibly? Who do you? Who are their four losses?" I'm like, sometimes I don't know who their four losses are going to be. I just think that this team is vulnerable to a couple upset losses during the season. Okay, I don't want curmudgeon. All right, let's let's close the, the let's close the door on the ACC. Clemson, do you like Miami coming out of the other side? Yeah, but not by much. You know, like I, I'm interested to see what happens with with Pitt. You know, I think yeah. I think. You know, I, I Slovis, I think, will have a bounce-back year. I think he was in a really tough spot last year at USC. Um, they have maybe the best-kept secret on player-wise in the conference, maybe in the country in Kalaji Kansi, who's just a super disruptive D-lineman. Um, and they're always good up front. I mean, Charlie Charlie Partridge, the D-line coach, is, is pretty much as, just about as good as there is at that. And they consistently get you know, negative plays. So I, you know, I'll be honest when I looked at, at how that was sit, you know, there was a little bit of a bigger gap between Miami and Pitt than I was expecting. Um, I don't know. Uh, I will, I will agree with the order, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not sleeping on Pitt. Keep an eye. I, I agree. I mean, I don't feel all that confident in Miami. I think I feel confident in Miami's future. With the I'm, way yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't feel particularly confident in them this season, but they got the quarterback, you know, and that that's where it starts. They've got Tyler Van Dyke. He's really good. Um, they're pretty average. They have good tight ends, but pretty average receivers. That shouldn't be I the think case. He also there. hired great coordinators on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. So that's your window there. Keep an eye on Virginia. For one reason and one reason only, Brendan Armstrong, the most overlooked, ridiculous, highlight reel player in America. Um, he was putting up insane stats last year until he got injured late in the season. The guy threw for 4,400 yards and 31 touchdowns, ran for 251 another. So he had 40 touchdowns in, I think, 10 games. He's a one-man wrecking crew. Now, they don't have much around him, but it'll be interesting to see how Tony Elliott takes advantage of him um by the way i'm surprised to see george there's somebody's there is a team that people think will be worse than georgia tech which is duke so let's move to the conference that i think will be the most wide open and the hardest to predict of any of the five and that is the big 12. so here's how the media saw it and by the way these are mostly in, in when we talk about these media polls it's the it's the beat writers it's the people that cover the conference more closely than we do. So I respect that. I'm just going ahead and saying I respect their opinions, but we know they're not going to, it's not going to finish exactly the way they picked it. So we look for possible overlooked, underlooked teams. Baylor, the defending champ, uh, comes in first by a slim margin over Oklahoma. Oklahoma State third. And there's a bit of a drop off to Texas at fourth. Kansas State fifth. Iowa State sixth. TCU seventh. West Virginia eighth. Texas Tech ninth. Kansas 10th. Hey, let me start at the bottom. Is there what percentage do you give that Kansas doesn't finish last? Uh 15%. I'm gonna go higher. I'm gonna say 33%. 
Who would be your next? I, I, next? Lance Leipold is is a great coach, and I'm interested to see what he can do now that he's had a year to upgrade the roster a little bit. Okay, so, so you give him that higher percentage. Who would you yeah. put as then the next likely candidate to finish in the cellar? Good question. I am pessimistic about TCU. Not in terms of Sonny Dykes and the future there. Just think it could be a rough first season because you're going from... You couldn't go from a more opposite coach and philosophy than Gary Patterson, who was a defensive-minded guy. Granted, last year the bottom fell out and recruited a certain type of player for that system. To Sonny Dykes, the air raid coach who has never really fielded good defenses. He just tries to outscore you. I think they have some talent for him to work with. I would That would not have been my pick on that. But. Who would be your... If, if I tell you... Right now, Kansas is finishing ninth. Who would you finish? Guess pick, finishes tenth. Say Texas, just a stir. No, I'm not saying. T- <laughs> I, I think the like you know, my I'm fluctuating here between if I have to pick one, West Virginia and Texas Tech. I like the staff that uh, you know is, is at Texas Tech right now. I don't know if there's enough. You know, it's I don't know. I don't want to say West Virginia. Just like it, I don't. That would be a rough way for JT Daniels to go out. Yeah, I'm gonna say if I had to pick one, I just think there's more talent, quite a bit more talent at TCU than there is right now at Texas Tech. So if I had to say one, I might say Texas Tech. But I mean, I really like the coordinators um, that Joey McGuire has there, and I think it's a good staff. I think they will get it going. I and a little bit of what you said. Not not the defense part about Sonny, but it, I kind of a, felt in the similar direction of what you just said about TCU. So I'm thinking about Texas Tech, but I still think Kansas will be in the in the bottom. But if you had to say who the other one, that would be it. Let's work to the top though. Do you, would Baylor have been? Can your... I mention a real quick thing about Texas Tech that that I I find very have been found very amusing recently? Sure. All of a sudden, I start getting all these tweets from fans that have a cactus next to their screen name. Which, when I think cactus, my first thought is Arizona, state of Arizona. But that's not who they were. Somehow, and I don't know the, the origins of it, it's a viral thing, every Texas Tech fan on Twitter has put a cactus next to their screen name. Um, it's just, I don't know what it's meant to symbolize exactly, but this offseason, Joey McGuire has really, really galvanized that fan base. They are so excited for him. It would be a real downer if they did finish 10th in the Big 12. Um, but I don't put it past. All Can right. I explain the Texas Tech part about, and this is not a... Not oh, you know the Cactus it. story? No, but I want to... About Joey McGuire galvanizing them. And look, yeah. I think he's... I think he knows the state. He was obviously a successful high school coach. But this fan base has been through a lot in the last, whatever, 12, 14 years. The Leach exit, he gave them a national identity. And as you know, as everybody knows pretty much... You know, they that was about as as controversial a, a departure. And then Tuberville went in there, and he did not fit, and it just kind of wasn't one of those guys. And then Cliff got there, and Cliff was coming home and reuniting the fan base, and it was kind of the anti-Tuberville, and everybody kind of liked him. He had a young staff. There was some good, but not enough good, and. They were really bad on defense and ended up not working out. And then it was a curious hire with Matt Wells, seemed to be a curious fit. So I think right now, this fan base has been through a lot, you know, and I, I'm not saying they should have tried to hire a leech back or anything like that, but I just think they've, they've been looking for something because they feel like they've been kind of, um, you know, yeah, for just, sure. that's been missing. So I'm going to wait, breaking news. I have found the origins of the cactus. Okay. And it comes from a tweet from our own Sam Kahn Jr. Texas Tech announced an NIL program that will give 25000 to all 85 scholarship players plus 15 walk-ons. In a thread seemingly referencing it, TCU's recruiting coordinator called Lubbock a desert and included a cactus emoji. Tech folks started posting cacti relentlessly. So it's a little Texas Tech TCU Twitter war. Right. Okay. So let's look at the top. Do you agree? Is would Baylor be your preseason top pick? Yes, uh, they are. Um, I don't know that it's obvious. There's probably about four or five teams I could see winning the conference, um, but they are the defending champs. Um, 
I think Dave Aranda is a great coach. They did lose some of their key players, actually several of their key players, but they still have a lot enough coming back for me to still be a believer. I don't disagree with that. I would still have Oklahoma. I know it's a new coach with Brent Venables as the preseason top pick. I really like Dylan Gabriel. I think he's going to fit really, really well in there. Um, and if you look at how their schedule shapes up, I don't know. It's like, to me, it's really one tough road trip. You know, they get Baylor at home. They get Bedlam at home. Um, they get K-State, who I think is going to be, that's my sleeper in the league. I think, you know, they get them and Norman as well. So, you know, the road trips are Lubbock, Morgantown, Ames, TCU, and obviously, you know, they have a Nebraska game in Lincoln, which is obviously out of the conference that we will be at. But I like Oklahoma a little more than I like Baylor at this point. Okay. I Everybody knows that saw my early top 25s that I'm very skeptical of Oklahoma. Why are you so um, skeptical of Oklahoma? Let me ask you. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's really, really good. Dylan Gabriel is really good. I don't know that he's better than the guy they just lost. Um, it just seemed like everybody of any significance on the team the last couple of years, other than Marvin Mims, either turned pro or transferred. Now, he's brought in some guys from the portal himself. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like the star-studded guys that, that USC has coming in. Um, they're just a big mystery to me. I'm not going to say I'd be shocked if they won the conference because they often win the conference. But this could also be a year where they take a step back and finish third or fourth. You know, coaching changes are tough, especially when you're going from um, Lincoln Riley to uh, Brent Venables, who we all respect as a great defensive coach, but we don't know what kind of head coach he's going to be. No, but I mean, like they have, I mean, Weiss and Mims are really good receivers. You know, they have some playmakers on defense in the secondary. I think they have pieces. Eric Gray, you remember that name? He was a really good running back. Um, I don't know. The O-line coach is still there. He's he's as good as there is, Bill Beatonville. So, I don't know. I, I'm, and I, it's not like you're saying they're not going to be a bowl team. I get it. So, you, go, you just you like You know what was kind of a curious hire, though? Ted, Ted Roof. Ted Roof as yeah. the defensive coordinator. Hey, a Venable, look, I mean, in Venables, you trust. I mean, he obviously was a terrific defensive coordinator yep. at Clemson. If he believes that's the guy he wants there to help him run the show on defense... You know, I think you ride with it if you're an Oklahoma fan. Okay. Texas. They're picked fourth. Give me your percentage they finish higher than fourth. Mm, 25%. Okay, so you're not so bullish on the Longhorns. No, I, I kind of like them a little. I think that's where they are. Um, I think that... I don't know how consistently good they can be on offense because the running back... Bijan is phenomenal. They have a lot of speed at receiver. Um, they got work. You know, Kyle Flood's got his hands full with rebuilding an offensive line, and you have basically a, a you know a really inexperienced quarterback, right? Whether it's going to be yours or not, I don't. We don't know. I think that's a, just a that's a lot to ride on when I don't think you're going to be that good on defense. That's why I think they're like you know maybe an eight and four kind of team. I think Quinn Ewers is one of the great mysteries in college football. There is so much high expectations for him, and he hasn't played at all. And if he's if he's uh, as you know as good as he was hyped as a recruit, then I would give Texas an excellent shot to at least be in the Big Twelve title game. If he struggles as first time, remember he's supposed to be a true freshman right now, not a redshirt freshman, as freshmen often do, then. There's enough teams in here that I mean you I'm glad you mentioned Kansas State. They're one of my sleeper teams as well. Ooh, are we agreeing um, on this? How high how high would you how give me where you think K State will end up in the top twenty five? My predicted Big Twelve championship game is Baylor, Kansas State. Ooh, Stu, we are like I'm I'm a big K State believer at this point too. So I think yeah. Deuce Vaughn might be my favorite player in college football right now. And they've got your favorite quarterback in the whole country, Adrian Martinez. Don't you do it, Stu. Don't, don't you do it. <laughs> Let's go to the Big Ten, which is the only conference that refuses to do an official preseason media poll. It has always been the case. I think they're, they're, they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, the sixth or seven. So kudos to our friends at the Columbus Dispatch who go ahead and conduct 
an unofficial poll of the Big Ten media. Big Ten East, they're not going to surprise you. Ohio State, followed by Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Maryland, who you said last week is uh, your surprise team, Rutgers, and then Indiana. Any of those seven, any of those seven, let's just do it this way, are you think way out of line? I see Michigan State finishing no worse than third and possibly second. Okay. Who do you think would backslide then more, Michigan or Penn State? Well, you know, Michigan, in terms of backsliding, because they won the conference last year. With no, but they're picked second. Do you think they finished fourth then? Uh, third or fourth. But Penn State wasn't that great to begin with, so it's hard for me to say they backslide. It's more where I'm just struggling to see how like what their path is to get back to being you know remember a couple years ago they were right neck and neck with ohio state and james franklin is recruiting at his highest level he has since he's been there so you know you can look ahead a couple years and see where they might be that kind of team again but in terms of this year with sean clifford still as the quarterback you hate sean clifford don't you I don't hate anybody, Bruce. I just don't think he's... <laughs> okay. I think he has a ceiling. That's the nice way to put it. I think he has a ceiling, and I think you've seen that ceiling. Um, so if I'm rearranging a little bit, I think I go Ohio State 1, Michigan State 2, uh, Michigan 3, Penn State 4. Okay. Um, okay. The, Big Ten let's West, get to the got, Big Ten West. And Wisconsin, this one, I think, is more open, right? Wisconsin, though, is a, is a strong number one. Yeah, I see that. 31 first place votes. Iowa is next with three. 31 of the 36 first place votes. Iowa has three. Minnesota comes in third with two. Then Purdue, number four. Nebraska, number five. Illinois, number six. And your alma mater, the Wildcats, number seven. What do you take issue What with? am I missing here? Because Iowa won the division last year. Iowa's going to be very good again on defense. I know their offense was terrible. And Wisconsin, we keep waiting for the Graham Mertz. We saw that one game against Illinois to to come back, but he hasn't. And so could they win the division? Sure. But why are they such a runaway favorite? I think it's because they've been con- really consistent. I think it's that. I, I honestly don't agree with it at this point. Um, you like Iowa, right? I like Iowa. The team that I'm really most intrigued by in this you know, in this mix, is actually Purdue. They had a really good season last year. I think you would agree with me. Jeff Brom is one of the best offensive coaches in the country. Aiden O'Connell's back. He loves him. He's got, you know, he's just a really, really sharp quarterback who processes well, is really good in the pocket. They got a couple of transfers who brought in who will help their offense out. Um, I don't know if they'll be dangerous on defense, but a little bit like you were talking about Wake Forest. I mean, it's different, you know, but at the same point, I think they're going to outscore a lot of people because they got a really good offense and it's really well coached. And the tricky part is that beginning of September, that opener against Penn State, now it's, it's at Purdue, to me is very interesting because my head would tell me Penn State and you're – Ari Wasserman factor, Penn State has recruited better than Purdue. Um, I think right now that the quarterback, if you if you were doing that like old style Jimmy the Greek check bar, you know, thing, I would think the quarterback would be on Aiden O'Connell's side would get the check, you know, and it's a home game. So I'm very interested to see Purdue. How are you what are you feeling about the Purdue Boilermakers? Do you Yeah, I think they're probably being overlooked. Um, I mean if you remember that bowl game last year against Tennessee. Uh, that was a big win for them. They beat two teams that were ranked number two in the country at the time. I'd feel better if they still had David Bell and, and their George really Carloff, first, George Cobb, George Carloff, 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, the team I thought you were going to maybe say is Minnesota. Um, they made, let's just be honest, P.J. Fleck did not make a good offensive coordinator hire a couple years ago. He has fixed that. And... Tanner Morgan's back for like his 18th year, but more importantly, uh, those running backs are all back. They had such a uh, bad bad injury luck last year at that position. They're going to be able to run the ball on people. Yeah, look, they even with all the injuries, they ran the ball really well. They had, you know, basically ended up with like five or six different hundred yard rushers. 
as you said. And look, I, I, I think Kirk Chirac is a good fit there with Tanner Morgan. We saw how well they were when he was running the show a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think they're they're good. Um, again, I think it's Purdue is the one to me that's the dangerous team. The only, one other team I want to talk about, though, one way or the other, Nebraska. Scott Frost had lost a, a record number of close games last year. He really shuffled the staff. Now it looks like Casey Thompson from Texas probably will run the show at quarterback. I'm not sure how good the skill talent is still around the quarterback position. Um, what is success for, for Nebraska? Going to a bowl game, which they haven't done since, I believe, 2015, which, or 2016, which is insane. Um, but I don't see it. You don't see it. Um, I just think we've seen this, as, as Scott Frost himself says often, we've seen this movie enough. I don't know why. It's the definition of insane. I don't know why we keep coming back to this and thinking we're going to have a different result. If, and this is a big if, like the must-win game on his schedule, I mean, you'd say, you could say this like every week, but the must is like, do not have the plane flight back from Ireland with a loss to a team that just won three games last year. Lose well, to Northwestern. given Nebraska beat them 56 to seven last year. Yes. Lose to Nebraska, lose to Northwestern at, uh, in Ireland. And that will be the worst plane flight back for a football What if they team. beat Northwestern? I'm a little surprised they don't have an off week after that game. What if they beat Northwestern, come home and lose to North Dakota? Yeah, and then you got Georgia Southern, by the way. And then after Oklahoma comes in, then you have Indiana and at Rutgers. I mean, basically, if you look at it, you have one team, like Northwestern won three games last year. Indiana won two. What did Rutgers win? Four? Um, That's your first six games. And then you have, you know, it's like you have a real shot as long as you don't, you know, screw up against the team you whipped last year in Ireland of at worst being five and one. Yeah. It's that loud. It's the month of November that will determine Nebraska and Scott Frost faith, Minnesota at fate, Minnesota at Michigan, Wisconsin at Iowa. I mean, if I'm looking that right now, I see a good chance of Oh, and four. Give me a good, give me a quick prediction. Northwestern Nebraska. You know what happened last year? I don't think it'll be fifty-six to seven, but I I would take the Huskers. Um, Northwestern still has real real questions at quarterback. I mean, it's just other than the one year with Peyton Ramsey, it's not a position they've been able to figure out. Okay, let's move on to. We lost those links, but um, let's move on to the SEC. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go through this. The SEC, not surprising, Alabama coming out of the West, Georgia coming out of the East. They are overwhelming favorites, right? Georgia has 172 first place votes. Kentucky was next with four. And then actually South Carolina had the, had the next most in the East, but they actually are preseason number five in that division. So the order for the East, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Somehow Vanderbilt got one vote. This is a, an amazing poll to me. I mean, it may well turn out to be close to this, but to see an SEC preseason media poll where Kentucky is second in the division and Florida is fourth, and then in the West, a poll where Arkansas and Ole Miss are higher than LSU, and everybody is higher than Auburn, who was picked dead last. I Somebody, Chuck Dunlap at the SEC needs to go back and tell me the last time, if ever, that it's been predicted quite like that. Are you a Kentucky Wildcat believer? I mean, I, we're, I'm sure we're both going to pick Georgia, but are you a believer that Kentucky would be number two? I am. I am. Uh, I think Mark Stoops has done a terrific job there building it up. I really like Will Levis. He's extremely talented. He's out of spring, albeit this is the second system he's playing in in two years since uh, Liam Cohen moved back to the NFL. Chris Rodriguez is a physical running back, and they've been really good on defense, right? So I like what they have. I think, you know, look, going to the Swamp is never easy, um, and the Gators have a super talented quarterback. I'm a I'm an Anthony Richardson fan. But if you look at this schedule, you know, like Tennessee is is better than they were a couple of years ago, but it's certainly not the old Tennessee team. At, at Ole Miss won't be easy. But, you know, I feel like this team should be – 
at least, I think, a nine-win team. I'm going to go opposite. Um, and, and I think, you know, Mark Stoops has a great program there. The, my problem for 2022, well, two. One, it took them so long to finally get a decent offense. And as soon as they do, Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, goes right back to the Rams. And number two, it wasn't just Will Levis. It was Wandale Robinson, who was kind of the all-everything for them, and he's gone. Um, so I see that offense taking a step back, maybe even two steps back. Whereas I see Tennessee's offense being uh, big-time productive. So Tennessee, which last year was 4-4 four and four in the conference, 7-6. and six. Hendon Hooker is back. Would that be your preseason number two team in the, in the East? That would. Um, okay. And I would probably then, I mean, after I just said all that Kentucky, I think I'd still have them three, though it wouldn't surprise me if Florida's better. Just thinks, you know, the Dan Mullen thing was, uh, it just gotten so bad um, by the last month of the season. South Carolina is an interesting one. Do you believe Spencer Rattler can take the Gamecocks to the upper half of that division? They're picked fifth. I don't. I don't either. <laughs> the West, okay. I mean, you got to start with the question about AM. Um, well, let's, let's just go through the order here. So, because I didn't touch on that. Alabama got 177 of the 181 first place votes in the West. Alabama, then Texas AM, then Arkansas, which did get one first place vote. Ole Miss. LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn. Which of those seven do you take issue with in order? Hmm. I kind of like the order, to be honest with you. But I would say... um, I think Mississippi State's too low. Um, Leach, when he has a veteran quarterback coming back, which Will Rogers is now, um, tends to have a pretty good year. Now, I can't... What's hard is to say, okay, let's say they finish third. Who, Which of those teams finishes below them? Or, or which of those teams must take a big step back? That's tough because I really like Arkansas. I think K.J. Jefferson is great. I think Sam Pittman is great. I'm not taking really exception to that, but maybe Mississippi State finishes fourth instead of sixth. So you'd bump down both LSU and Ole Miss. I don't have high expectations for LSU. With Ole Miss... Um, and remember, I was there. I, I, I know a lot about that team coming into this year. He is so portal-reliant, and it has worked for him in the past. But I don't know if Jackson Dart is going to be the second coming. He, as of the end of spring, hadn't actually won the job. Um, Michael Trigg, the tight end from USC, though, is supposed to be really good. I don't know. It's, it's a big—Matt Corral was really good, and he's the main reason they won 10 games. And I don't know that he's going to have that kind of production at quarterback this year. So a, a bunch of things to pick into there. I am agreeing with you on Arkansas. I like them a lot as well. Um, I'm not as convinced on Leach getting out of the towards the bottom half. Uh, this order I would kind of agree with, to be honest. Um, I'm not as convinced that A&M is a top, you know, six team in the country i could be wrong i know they have some good talent on defense and they have definitely speed at the skill positions but i don't i feel like there's a after you get past alabama i feel like there's a bunch of teams who should be somewhere between like 12 and 25 in the top 25 a&m arkansas i would put old miss in there i think well, at some point we're going to do our playoff predictions and let me tell you my main prediction is that i think there's going to be a two loss playoff team because there's such a big drop off I mean, I think Alabama and Ohio State are a class above everybody else. If you want to say Georgia's in that group or close to that group, fine. Good luck after that, finding a team that you're like, oh, this team has everything, and they're going to make the playoff. Yeah, look, injuries happen. You know, you never know. So that's why it's fun to watch it play out. Uh, I don't, I mean, just getting back to the SEC West, um, give me a percent chance that, like, is AM your clear number two? Um, I would say they are a not clear number two. They are my number two. But if you want to sell me on Arkansas's number two, I'd take it. Okay. Um, how many Can of we these? Move on. Just one, I mean, just one question I have okay. for you. How many of these SEC West teams do you think have a realistic chance of being in the top 15 at the end of the season? 
almost all of them. I mean, they're not all going to, but they all, almost all of them have that potential. The one that's a complete mystery to me is LSU. Don't I couldn't even begin to tell you to try to predict what what kind of team LSU is going to be this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I know they have they Four have some quarterbacks, but their quarterbacks are talented. They have you know Jaden Daniels has played a lot. Garrett Nussmeyer is really talented. Miles Brennan is is should be pretty good. I think those are like viable options. The receiving room is talented. The D line room is is pretty talented. I mean, there's there's stuff for them to be. I think a legit top twenty five team. I just don't know. You know, is there enough to be more than eight and four? You know, so I'm I'm going to be very curious to see how it plays out. Like, like we talk about that week two game is super interesting for all sorts of reasons. Um, you want to talk Pac-12? Just to warn you now, this is not going to be the kind of 40-minute podcast you were hoping for. I know. Because we haven't even gotten to the mailbag. All right, let's close it out with Pac-12. You know, it's funny. I've done two radio interviews in the last few days where they asked me to assess the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 South. And I have to remind everybody, no more divisions. They, they axed them. So the predicted order is... Utah 1, Oregon 2, USC 3, UCLA 4. Bit of a surprise on this one. Oregon State 5, Washington 6, Washington State 7, Stanford 8, Cal 9, Arizona State 10, Arizona 11, Colorado 12. Let me tell you something. The bottom half of that conference is yeesh. <laughs> so if that's who the contenders are for 6th, 7th, 8th, that is not a good sign. But I like the top three. Uh, I think the one of the teams you just bagged on to me is a dangerous team that I think could be a top 25 team, and that's the Washington State. I know. You're the head of that bandwagon, the Cam Ward yeah. bandwagon. Yeah, look, I think, well, Max Olson's riding in the sidecar with me on that one, I think. But they've added some really nice transfers. I think the stability that, he, that Jake Dickert brings for a program that has dealt with probably more hardship than pretty much any other place for these players in the last couple of years. Um, I think they have a chance to have a really nice season. So, um, I don't, you, you might be right. I mean, I think this one's actually pretty straightforward for me. I would have the same top four and then I would probably have Washington state five. And then the rest of it would probably be pretty similar. I think they might be a little too low on Cal. Um, what do you, but I sell I, me I on Cal. Oh no, sell you know what? Cal. Uh, no, forget Cal. The one that I think is going to surprise people is Arizona. I mean, I know they've been just terrible, but Jaden Delora is a good quarterback. He, um, the receiver from UTEP, is really, really good. Yeah, Jacob Cowing. He's he's like, he's little, but he's really fast. Tedero McMillan is a you know got great ball skills. Everybody loved him on the West Coast. They have Jed they have, Fish, they have pieces um, on offense. He did very well in the portal, and like I said, I mean, I don't know why you. I mean, I think. I'll go out right now and say Arizona finishes higher than Arizona State, who I think is a walking disaster. Probably higher than Cal. Well, I wouldn't say probably higher than Cal, but possibly higher than Cal. So if you if you give me your, I love the percent chance game that you love. But give me the percent chance that Arizona finishes at least ninth out of twelve. Fifty-one uh, percent. Yeah. See, well, I think we're in agreement on that. We have gone too too long. Without going to the mailbag, we have some fantastic emails, so let's do it now. As always, you can send your emails to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. All right, Stu, this question from Steve in Greenville, South Carolina. Last year, when there were rumors that USC may be trying to land James Franklin, Bruce mentioned that USC is a better job than Penn State. Penn State is the third best job in its own conference, and that to make the playoff, USC did not have to go through Ohio State and Michigan. Now that now USC... Yeah, well, that's what he's saying. Will the coaching job be less appealing for future prospective coaches? What do you think? That's a great question. I mean, kudos to Steve. Let's just say, is is the USC job, does the USC job, which is already pretty appealing, become more appealing or less appealing that it's in the Big Ten? I I think, you know, okay, you've got to play Ohio State, but I would rather be in one of what is you know now one of the clear two conferences the Hager year where you're going to have the most resources and the most exposure than in the Pac-12. So and more I more think, money. So regardless of how much tougher it may be, I just think it's it becomes an even more appealing job because you still have 
the great recruiting background, the tradition and the history. Um, and now you're gonna have a lot more money. You're gonna have a lot more money. You're gonna have more marquee games and more visibility. I think it does become a better job. Look, I also think whoever follows Lincoln Riley, and we have no idea to know how long it is. I don't think he moved his young family all across country to bolt, you know, two years from now or three years from now or even four years from now. But I think this, you know, if Lincoln Riley is as good as a lot of people at USC believe he will be, I think this job will feel like it was when Pete Carroll had a role in. You know, it's like so much of this is dependent on what the state of the program has been. So I still think it, it will be more appealing in part because of the money and in part because of the visibility you're going to get. I'm going to skip past the Jason Gerlusi question because we just talked about South Carolina. Now the next one's about Washington State. Um, do you want to do that one or do you feel like we already talked about them? I feel like we already talked about them. All right, next one is from Brian Johannes in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Gentlemen, on the last pod, when answering a question about teams making the playoff who have never made it, Pitt was one of the first teams brought up. I can't recall specifics, but I know Pitt has been a popular name in other pods as well. Help me understand why there is so much optimism for Pitt in 2022. They lost Pickett, Kroll, Addison, not to mention OC Mark Whipple. And other than 2021, they've been an 8-5 and five team or worse. Yeah, I think some of it honestly has to do with they have a bunch of bunch of guys back in the trenches and I think that's key I don't know if I would look at it and say okay these guys are going to be a playoff contender but I do think they have as I said you know Kalaja Kansi is one of the best one of the most disruptive defensive players in college football and you give Pat Narduzzi and Charlie Partridge you know something to work with like that I think they're going to cause problems for people on the other side of the ball um I don't know where you would rank, you know, if, if you and I are talking about this, because Keaton Slovis started his career out at USC with a real flourish and got people very excited. And then a lot of stuff was kind of going sideways there, um, much of it out of his control. I mean, give me give me your expectations of, of Keaton Slovis reaching it up on the other side of the country. Hmm. Keep in mind they have everybody back on the offensive line, right? So, yeah, well, they had. That's the that's the good news. The bad news is he loses the Blitnikoff winner. Um, I I think not enough has been made about Mark Whipple leaving. Now, uh, Pat Narduzzi brought it to everybody's attention when he just like threw him completely under the bus at ACC Media Days. Um, I thought that was a weird. I thought the reason he brought it. up, I mean, I know he's angry about him leaving, but his complaint was that Mark Whipple didn't try to run the ball enough, that he he only wanted to pass. And I'm thinking, well, you had, like I said, you had a first-round quarterback, a, a Blitnikoff receiver. Of course he tried to throw the ball. Um, I, I think that one hurts them as much, if not more, than the personnel leaving. So I do not have high expectations for Pitt. Okay. Well, the new guy there is a familiar name probably for a lot of the listeners, Frank Signetti Jr. Um, I know they like some of the young receivers, but again, Jordan Addison's so good. And he, you know, as much as I, you can tell, Pat Narduzzi, is, it's still a sour taste in his mouth from all of that. But um, I feel like Pitt is a program that oh, a lot of times I feel like maybe people, you know, like it wasn't that, I don't know, maybe it was late September where we were talking about, you know, I remember you had him really on the hot seat as if like he wasn't going to make it there, right? Yeah, I mean, look, he had his great breakout season last year, but as was pointed out here, um, that was the first time, really. So this year, I think, will be an interesting test of whether the program has staying power or not. Interesting question here from Brian Black in Atlanta. Hi, Stu and Bruce. College football training camps will be starting with this. <laughs> you can tell how long yeah. we've had this sitting here, right? All right. College football training camps are starting up. NFL teams open their training camps to the media and fans. How come college programs don't open training camps? There's already a lot of film on most players and programs. Is it really that big of a competitive advantage to have training camps closed to the public? And do you see this changing in the future? All right. By the way, I went to an NFL training camp, but as a fan this weekend, I took my family to see the Cowboys. You know, a couple of guys on the staff, and and Brian was not kidding. Not a, like it was a it was a fil- The crowd was so big that when we were walking to uh, the facility in Oxnard. There were lots of fans who'd already been turned away because they were past capacity. 
I mean, so that's how big of the crowd it was to see, you know, Dak and Ezekiel and C.D. Lamb. So the, the biggest reason to Brian's question is college coaches are super paranoid. I mean, they just, I, I just think it's just different. Now, I'm not sure how much of the hand that, that, that um, NFL coaches are really going to be wanting to show in front of that. But I just feel like, look, I think there's just a lot more openness in terms of like injury information. Part of it's gambling related that the NFL puts out, which almost everybody in college doesn't do. We see it with the media. I mean, you know, I see this from the TV side. There's still there's still a bunch of schools that don't open up anything even to the TV people to come to practice. Whereas, you know, in the NFL, it's way more open than that. In the NFL, before the game, you you rarely see anybody in college talking to players. It's really frowned upon. In the NFL, you know, that's more much more commonplace. I used to when I was a kid. I used to go to Bengals training camp, which was at that time in. Wilmington, Ohio, and you're right. It's it's a fantastic opportunity for for people to you know, a kids, adults, you know, to get an up close look at the players more so than you're going to at a game, and you know, obviously to get your your first glimpse at who might be a, you know new player. I remember there was always a lot of interest around whoever had been the first round draft pick that year. I mean, this is example eight thousand and twenty seven of nobody's in charge of college football. And so the coaches get to make up their own rules. I mean, the NFL has centralized policies requiring these teams to open up X amount of practices or you know X amount of portion of the practices. Nobody, there's nobody that has the authority to tell uh, Lincoln Riley or Nick Saban or whoever that they have to open their practices. So they just don't because they don't want to. Um, I am of the belief that it gives them no competitive advantage or very little competitive advantage. Clemson when they were winning those national titles, they're not completely open, but they're a lot more open than, you know, some of these programs that operate in a fortress and it didn't stop them from winning a national title. Um, so I think the paranoia is, is a little bit um, crazy <laughs> for lack of a better word, but there's nobody that can prevent them from doing so. You want to end there, Stu? Because um, the next question is kind of a realignment question. Which is fine because we didn't talk about realignment during the podcast. Can we make it through a podcast without talking about realignment? No, let's let's do it. All right. All right. All right, Stu. The last question is from Ian in Seattle. Both the Big Ten and SEC have, for lack of a better term, second-tier member schools that have been conference members for decades, mostly on the basis of geography. Do these schools like Illinois or Mississippi State risk losing stature within the expanded conferences? If they aren't a brand that draws national attention, do Alabama, Ohio State, and the other national brands demand a larger payout share or even push these schools out? Well, I said, you know, as long as you conferences are their traditional conference structure the way they are now, nobody's going to get kicked out. Um, you're not going to suddenly see Ohio State, you know, revolt and ask for more money. I do think unequal revenue sharing is coming to the Pac-12. Uh, or the Pac-10, whatever it's going to be, but not in those, you know, power conferences. But as I've been saying since at least 2016, where those programs are going to be in danger is when we inevitably get a college football premier league where the top 25 to 30 brands, not even necessarily teams, brands, uh, just leave their conferences entirely just in football. Football becomes a separate product, and we see them do what the – English soccer teams did to form the Premier League. Um, Because he's right. I mean, Ohio State generates uh, way more than 114th or about to be 116th of the Big Ten revenue. And they would actually make a lot more money if they were affiliated entirely, if they played their entire schedule against for uh, Michigan, Penn State, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, USC, you know, instead of Three games a year against group of five teams, three or four games a year against Northwestern, Rutgers, Maryland, etc. Um, that will day will come. I'm more certain of it than ever. And I think this period we're entering into now, where we have some, you know, set where we have this separation, is just kind of the bridge to that era, which will come whenever they can finally align all these TV various TV contracts sometime about 10, 15 years from now. 
All right. Thanks for all your questions and um, keep them coming to theaudiblepod at gmail.com and we will see you next time.